0: Get back, Parker. It felt great making B.A.'s last week on earth kick ass, and I felt great doing it with somebody else's money. I blasted Metallica as loud as my fancy new stereo would let me. With every window open, the beautiful day pounded through the hand-sewn leather interior. I felt lucky to be alive. I played the air drums and sang my heart out the whole way home. It was an incredible car, and I wished I could enjoy it for more than a week. I pulled into my driveway and remembered Piper. I shifted into DEFCON 1 level panic and ran as fast as I could to the back door. In my mind, I could see Peaches looking at Piper, calling her an asshole and shooting her dead. I cried, no, 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 in a panic as I ran up the back stairs to the house, feeling helpless again. If Peaches killed Piper, I would crawl until I found a low spot and lay in it until I died. What does it say about me that I was relatively unaffected by my wife's murder, but would be devastated if Piper had met her maker? Piper was waiting for me as I ran to the door. "'Baby!' I shrieked, and I held my arms out. Instead of her usual vibrating welcome, she raced past me into the yard and gave me a what-the-fuck look as she urinated for about five minutes straight." "'Baby!' I cried again, holding my arms out to embrace her. She ignored me yet again and went from her peeing posture straight into an arched position, violently dropping a deuce any horse would be proud of. She'd been locked up in the house forever. "'Don't worry, sweetie,' I said, the relief overwhelming. "'I'm never going to leave you again. Ever. I meant it.' I took a long, hot shower." Even though it felt super creepy knowing Margot, the woman I'd shared the shower with, was probably still lying dead in some dipshit's apartment. I grabbed some clothes, shoved them in a duffel, and walked around the house, taking one last look at all the work I lovingly put into it. Like my new rig, and everything else, it was a shame this house and all my hard work would soon be space dust. When I opened my front door to collect the mail, my brother Bo was standing on our stoop. "'Why aren't you answering your phone?' He was in running clothes, probably in the middle of a run, although there were no visible signs of sweating. Behind him, an APD patrol car pulled up slowly to the curb. I was stunned. I had a feeling I knew what was coming. Bo noticed the look on my face and turned around to see a lard-ass Atlanta police officer squeeze himself out of the patrol car. Bo looked back at me. I couldn't speak.' The cop waddled up. His belt probably hadn't touched his waist in 20 years. Instead, it divided his huge belly into upper and lower regions. He identified himself as Sergeant Something Roland, but I didn't get the first name because I was too distracted by the whole belt around the belly thing. His faux waist, I guess you would call it. I wondered, when did he decide to move his belt from his actual waist to his belly? Was that a sad day, or did he think, Wow, I can see my belt again. This looks fantastic. Is one of you Parker Duke? he asked. I snapped out of my faux waist thoughts. I am. How can I help you, officer? Can you tell me where you've been for the last 48 hours? Beau snapped out of the blue. At my lake house? I didn't ask you, sir. Well, why are you asking? Beau continued aggressively. I could always count on my big brother to save me, and he was always prepared to. Actually, I interrupted... I don't mind telling you. It's probably an entertaining story if you aren't me. To answer your question, like my brother was saying, I was at the lake yesterday, but it starts earlier than that. I got into a huge fight with my wife after I made an ass out of myself at a charitable art auction. I then left her at the auction and proceeded to get even drunker at Mose and Joe's to the point where she made me sleep on the sofa in my carriage house. And, in the typical male fashion, or so I've been told, I made a bad situation worse by going to my brother's lake house instead of coming home, quote-unquote, to talk about what I've done. Mr. Duke, I have some really bad news for you. Do you want to go inside and sit down? No. Tell us now. Bo blurted out. He loved bad news. The cop looked confused, but I nodded for him to go ahead. I'm sorry to tell you this, Mr. Duke, but we found your wife dead last night. I feigned shock, which wasn't hard because I was already scared out of my mind. With her lover. It was a murder-suicide. If it helps you, sir, it looked like she was trying to leave him. I know it's hardly a consolation, but she wrote a note saying she was choosing her husband. The cop seemed moved. Then he shot her in the face and killed himself. "'Why did you ask him where he was if it was a murder-suicide?' Bo asked indignantly. "'I had to. It's what we do. He's the husband. The husband is always involved. But you said it was a murder-suicide. Habit, I guess. I knew you didn't do it. Forensics listed the time of death as happening during your speech.' I was there for your speech. That's how I knew you didn't do it. Okay, so do you need anything else, officer? Bo asked, bothered. Well, I hate to break it to you, Mr. Duke, but you got a lot wrong in your speech there. I was the homecoming king, and look at me now. I just made sergeant. He put one hand on his gun and tugged at his final name tag with the other. Seriously? Bo was incredulous. Yeah. My partner and I were assigned to the assembly at Grady. I'm also a Grady cop. He looked like a cat that had just swallowed the canary. Just saying, he looked at a visibly upset Beau and then back at me. And I'm sorry for your loss. Fittingly, I was in shock. Not that there was a lard-ass cop critiquing my speech while telling me about the demise of my wife, but about what I had just narrowly avoided. I felt so thankful for the work ethic and cold efficiency of my former captor. I could see Peaches bossing them around, her purpose driven by an excitement that only comes from doing something you love. To her credit, she did it well enough to snow the cops. Had she been lazy and shot them both in the face, I would have been spending my last days on earth in the slammer. "'Jesus,' I said. "'Sir, are you going to be all right?' The cop placed his sausage-fingered hand on my shoulder. Beau's face was whiter than mine. "'I don't know. I don't know how to react.' I felt Oscar-level skills coming on, but thought it best to pull back. "'Sir, what are my obligations?' "'Excuse me?' Lard-ass cop was surprised. "'As her husband, what do I have to do now? What are my obligations?' "'because I don't ever want to see her again. "'Both her parents are still alive. "'Can they take care of the body and the funeral arrangements? "'I don't want anything to do with her. "'If you need to bury her with the indigents, "'that would be fine with me, too.' "'Parker, you don't mean that,' Bo said "'with his trademark clutch-the-pearls move. "'I looked to Bo, and then I looked to Lardass cop "'and said, "'Yep, I'm afraid I do. "'I would like to. Are you writing this down, sir?' "'I would like to volunteer to pay the cost "'to have her and her lover buried "'where they bury the homeless people. "'I'll pay extra for it.' "'Buried with homeless. "'Husband to pay,' "'lard-ass cop murmured as he took the notes. "'If her parents don't agree to it, "'they can pay for it,' I added, "'as Beau looked at me in stunned silence. "'Contact parents for payment.' After the newly minted sergeant finished writing his last note, he looked up, more amused than he should have been. "'I don't blame you, Mr. Duke. That guy had a huge dick.'